Welcome to Brisbane West Vineyards podcast. It's great to have you with us. We're a community of people sharing God's love, power and life that's revealed in Jesus. We gather Sundays, 5pm at Good News Lutheran School in Middle Park. We exist simply for the King and His Kingdom, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we've been covering these questions. The last few weeks, we have done a little bit of a chat at the start, and then we've broken into groups. And then we have done some questions together. Well, this week, I'm going to invert that. We're going to get to groups very shortly. But this is what we've been going through. What does it look like to be a living sacrifice? What does it mean to give ourselves wholly to God? What does it mean for me in this season of my life to say yes to him? Right? So that's roughly what we're going to cover. Um, and if we can go to the next one, please. Okay, so Matthew 4.18 is where we're going to land. Um, let's split up into some groups, please. Fours and fives. We can do that. And then what we're going to do when you land in your group is we're going to read this. And then everyone together is going to read it. And I'd like you to note the things that stand out to you. Right? I'm going to jot them in some notes, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. All right? Do you guys want to throw out an idea, something that you came across? Just one? You had heaps. So they were casting a net into the lake. Doesn't necessarily mean they were on a boat or on a jetty. I thought that was interesting. For you guys? Um, what about for you? Where in the timeline are they in Jesus' ministry? There's the beginning, the middle? Well, I know the answer to that. Where were they? Because I've, I've done the. The question was whereabouts in the timeline are they? in comparison to Jesus' ministry. So, right. so the question is, who read two verses beforehand to find out what the context of where this was? Did anyone do that? <laughs> Excellent. We've got a couple of scholars in the room. Well done. So that's the first thing they tell you to do is go and read five before it and five after it. What was your question? Okay. Was there an observation that you had rather than a question? Yeah. Okay. So there was an immediacy to them just leaving everything? Yeah. Right up the back. So there was something about Jesus for you to leave everything yes. and go and follow him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Come and fish for people. Who does that? All right. For you guys. Our main one was about like the, there had to be something supernatural required them to 
So something supernatural to take the risk. That's an interesting point. Because there is a risk, right? They've left everything. That's good. Another one? That's a great question, Helen. We might be covering that in our series. <laughs> Very good. Down the front. Um, so something's up. I guess we know so it's just that he called um, the brothers, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, but who was actually with them at the time? Why was their father not called? Was he with them? Who were they pushing with? Yeah. So finding out still, you know, why they're called to come. Called the brothers, but not the other family members? Um, and again, similar to what's been said already, but like they left at once, and what does that mean? What do they know at the time? What was going on the culture? What do they know about Jesus or rabbis? Or mm. what was kind of, you know, what was expected at the time? Right. Yeah. What was the culture at the time for rabbis to call people? Was that normal? Was that unusual? Great. Well done. Anybody else have one that you're kind of busting to share? Because you're all look like you're like, I've got, I've got one. Lots of things being left. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Things were very expensive and repairable. Yeah. And they've left it all for something. It's great. You guys got another one? You guys had a gem, a couple of gems over here. Miriam? Right, so you liked how Jesus was just happened to be walking by the sea. Yeah. Long way from Jerusalem, by the way. Right? Long way from Nazareth, by the way. Right? And also they were excited. They weren't terrified of it. They saw it as a privilege and they just decided to leave straight away because they knew that it was something joyous to do. Yeah, there was an excitement to it. Yeah. That's great. So the idea of having being a student of a rabbi, uh, especially Jesus, was yeah an interesting invitation. So Jesus meets them here, invites them to go, and then they circle back once Jesus has passed away, back to the same place. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's a good point. All right, anyone else? And then we'll. They they call them if you use something they knew to. Right. So he knew something they understood to call them into something that's next. That's good. So, first point is that Andrew was the first disciple called by Jesus. It was actually before this event. So if you go to John 1.40, you will see... That Andrew has an encounter with Jesus and then runs to tell his brother Simon Peter, Come with me, I have found the Messiah. Okay. So, how does that change what we've just read? Clearly, these two have had an encounter with Jesus before this moment, right? Andrew was most likely, this is a really interesting one, at the baptism of Jesus. 
Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist. And so Andrew spent time with John the Baptist. John the Baptist declares, repent because the kingdom of God is near. And then he turns around and says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Right? Andrew's response is when he sees Jesus baptized is, I've seen the Messiah. And now I've got to go and tell my brother. Okay? Because this is big news. Dawn said before there's no Facebook, so you do it on foot. <laughs> now, in John 1, we see that Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter. And that is the extension of Jesus meeting Peter, or Simon, at Andrew's request. So Andrew goes and tells Peter at the time, I met the Messiah, you have to meet the Messiah. And then Andrew and Peter go and spend some time with Jesus. And Jesus prophesies and says, you, Peter, I'm changing your name. And I'm going to build a church. And it's going to be on you. Not on you physically. So it is highly likely that Andrew was there when Jesus was baptised. So when Jesus came to there to see them, he invited them at their place of work. That's another point that these guys brought up here before. They're in the middle of fishing, okay, throwing the net out. Jesus arrives and he says, hey guys, come and follow me. Now, it wasn't unusual because they were already following John the Baptist. Now, if we'd just read five verses earlier, we know that John the Baptist was just arrested. Okay? So it was it was pretty serious time. The climate was pretty hot. And Jesus was like, it's time for us to head out of here and head up to Capernaum, right? which is where this is, takes place. But Jesus says, come follow me, he doesn't say, continue following John. Right? As I mentioned before, Jesus knew them, and they knew Jesus. But it's only later, if you go to Matthew 16, it's only later then that we see that Peter says something that the other disciples hadn't yet caught on to yet. Now, this plays back to when Jesus called them. He was just, in their mind, a normal teacher, another teacher. Because in Matthew 16, Peter, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, says to Jesus, turns around, looks at him and says, you are the Christ. The penny's dropped. This is Matthew 4. In Matthew 16, the penny drops for Peter. So all that time they spent with Jesus and all these miracles and all this stuff's going on, in Matthew 16, the penny drops. Hey, you are the Christ. You are actually who John said you were. This is an important one. So what it says to us is that where we work is important. And what we do is important. The community we find ourselves in is important. Because 
Jesus finds them faithfully working there as fishermen. And he says, come, let's take what you know and let's reapply it. Now, Jesus says something funny, which is, you know, come and be fishers of men, right? It's the same vein of work, but the outcome and the purpose is completely changed. Completely changed. So I want to pause a second. Can someone tell me what the essential nature of fishing is? Catch fish, right? Not so much these days, is it? You just throw a line in and hope you catch something, right? Have a beer, sit on the beach, whatever it is that... There's an Australian who used to kiss the fish and throw it back. It's okay. But the essential nature of fishing is to fish for food, right? In the day, that was the primary purpose. It wasn't recreational. Like we would, the majority of us here, we need recreation. Then it was for food. But here's the interesting part. The fish have to die for them to provide food for us. Okay, So no one's eating fish that are doing this on the plate. Maybe some people do. So when Jesus says, hey, why don't you come follow me and you'll be fishers of men, what does it mean? Well, for the disciples fishing for men, what they're actually choosing to do is to die themselves. In order to rescue those who are caught in the net. Okay? Their life becomes the food, like Christ's life becomes our food. For rescuing others. This is what Jesus is calling them to. Now you might wonder, well, where do I find that in Scripture? And that's an interesting thought. Jesus invited them, come and follow me. But if you read a couple of verses beforehand, his declaration is, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So his declaration is, what used to hold you, now doesn't have to hold you. There is a kingdom that has come to establish freedom. That kingdom is at hand, so repent and you will be saved from where you're caught up in. That was Jesus' primary message before he calls them. And so Jesus' invitation was, come and help me fish others out of the sea because they're drowning. It's essentially what he's saying here. Now the big one, is found in 1 Peter 4.10. So again, this is Peter writing, okay, many, many years on. And I've got it here. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Okay? See, each of us have been given a gift, 
For some of us, it's educating. For some of us, it's fixing things. For some of us, it's art. For some of it's craft. Some of it's computers, IT, whatever our unique gift is. We've been given those by God. And Peter says here, be faithful stewards of God's grace and use them in your various form. Which means that if I was a school teacher, that would be bad news. Right? Because my gifts are not that. But if you're a school teacher, you need to do school teaching. You need to do educating. And you need to do it because God has gifted you to do that where you are. Okay? Come follow me, Jesus is saying, in your vocation. Peter goes on to say, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. So if you ever wondered what your words mean, you should speak as if they're the very words of God. Which means that we have to be really careful about what we say to one another. Really careful. If anyone serves, they should go, and they should do it with the strength that God provides. Okay? God provides the gift, and then he provides the strength for you to serve. So that in all things God can be praised through Jesus. Now the big part, and this is, brings us to the end of this, is that it is 100% countercultural for a rabbi to call students. Students chose the rabbi. But that's not what Jesus does here. Okay. The rabbis traditionally were in the major centers and the students went to their schools and learned underneath them. Jesus is nowhere near a major center. I think the guys over here mentioned that they're stinky fishermen. They don't smell pretty. Right? When you go to school, you don't smell like you've just been out fishing. And yet Jesus goes to where they are and says, hey, come and follow me. 100% countercultural. So what does it mean for us? What it means simply is that Jesus hasn't the authority to call us. Now imagine a king picking up the phone and saying, Jude, my place, 1pm. When you put the phone down, you don't think, oh no, I might not. just the king. He won't miss if I'm there. No, if the king calls, you've got to be there. Don't you? Right? And if it's a good king, and if it's a wise king, and if it's a strong king, and if it's a faithful king, you go. And you go with no fear, with no shame, a little bit of wonder maybe. What could this mean? If I get brought into the king's court, what does this look like? 
It'll be an excitement. So I think, and this is my personal take on this, this is not in scripture, when Simon and Andrew heard, come follow me, something in them went, yes, king. Right? I can see what's going on with you, and I want to be involved in it. But that's not explicitly in the text, except for when it says, at once they left their nets and followed him. Now here's the interesting thing. Kings do not call people to do nothing. Okay? King of the day doesn't ring up and say, oh, here's Jude again because I'm picking on us. Sorry, Jude. Jude, come to the kingdom, come to the palace, and then you rock up and he says, oh, no, you can go home now. There was a specific person, a specific thing that he had in mind. Chose the person. Now there's something for you to do. Now in this case, Jesus calls them to partner with his father's calling on his life. And we see in the synagogue, just a few verses later, Jesus stands up and he pulls out the scroll and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, and who has anointed me to heal the sick, raise the dead, free the afflicted, heal the brokenhearted. Jesus was called into the Father's courts, and the Father said, Come follow me. This is what I'm doing on the earth. And Jesus said, I'll go. So Jesus' invitation to the disciples is that in which the Father had given to him. So this is key. So the series is Living Sacrifices, and this is all our time. But here's the key to this. Jesus always calls you to him first, so that you can go and take him into the place the Father is calling you to go. Now, I appreciate that's an ice cream today on a Sunday night. I'm going to say it again. Jesus always calls you and me, it's what he's done here with Simon and Andrew, to him. Come, follow me. So that you can go, which we know from Matthew 28, 19, go, preach the good news, heal the sick, do all those things all the way to the ends of the earth. Go, take me with you, Jesus is saying, to the place where the Father is calling you. So if God's given you gifts for something, Jesus wants you to take him into those places where God's given you the gifting. Okay? So the disciples are to fish for people instead of fish for fish. Their gifting is fishing. They know what to do, right? Now Jesus is saying, everywhere you go, take me with you. But he always calls them to him first. So where's the pattern for this? I've written in here and I've added a couple of extra words. The Father has sent me, which we know, that's what Jesus says. So I send me with you. 
So how do we, how does Jesus send himself with you? Holy Spirit. Jesus says, stay in Jerusalem to the disciples until my spirit is poured out upon you and then go. So, the Father has sent me, so I send me with you. So where's the pattern found? Well, again, we go back to Peter, because he's a bit of the star of the show. In 1 Peter 2.9, he says, you are chosen. And I read this before. You are chosen. Okay? You didn't choose Jesus. He chose you, Jude. And you. And you. And you. He chose you. Okay, you didn't choose him. You didn't roll into church one day and say, oh, yeah, Jesus, you can be my friend. Okay? That's an important part of any relationship, choosing the other. But he had in mind you, Phil, long before you had in mind you. Okay? Long before you had in mind him. So you've been chosen, which means that every word that has been spoken against you is a lie. You're too tall. It's a lie. You're too short. It's a lie. You're not pretty enough. It's a lie. Everything fits in this box because you've been chosen. You've been chosen to do, to take Jesus with you everywhere you go. Let's stand. If we can get the last slide, please, Eddie. I'm just going to invite you to dream a little bit. And even if you can't say these words from the bottom of your heart, okay, I know. Because I can't say these words from the bottom of my heart. But dream with me and say this with me. Father, as Jesus came to you, so I come to Jesus. I am welcomed. I am chosen. I am holy. I am your special possession. That's the 1 Peter verse. Okay. So if you need scripture to come back to and remind yourself, that's 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Take me to the places that I am fully myself. And God's already doing some stuff on some people up the back here. So the question is, were the disciples purely fishermen? No. They were very good at it. We didn't talk about how they left their businesses, left their boats and their nets, and the staff that they had. We read that in Mark and in Luke. They left everything. And so that part where I say, take me to the places I'm fully myself, is Jesus inviting you in your vocation to be fully yourself in that? And I choose to leave every counterfeit behind. I've put that in there because you and I believe lies about ourselves. Things people have spoken over us, expectations on us. The counterfeit is not who you are, the words that have been spoken over you. Jesus, I will follow you to the Father. And the reason I've put that in there is because the Father has already gifted you with gifts. I read that before in 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. 
Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We love your presence because it brings us freedom and it brings us joy. Come, Lord. Come and lift the counterfeits off. Come and remind us that we're your special possession. That you have given us good things to do with our time. So, Father, I want to break off family expectations that have been placed over every individual in this room and under the sound of my voice. Where you are expected to be someone but you. Be you. No one else can do you the way you do you. Because that was God's gift to you. And so I just release you now. That's it. More, Lord. Let your spirit of freedom come. I release you to be you. And I break the power of control. That's it. More, Lord. Your power of control. We release it now in Jesus' name. To be yourself. The king has called you by name. For those who struggle with shame, you've been welcomed. King didn't walk past and say, ah, oh, look at that. Oh dear. I can't accept that. He said, come and follow me. You are welcomed. You smell like stinky fish. You smell like a fisherman that nobody cares about. And Jesus says, come and follow me. More, Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing. We love your healing power. And Lord, for those of us who uh, have stopped dreaming, and if I can be really honest, I've stopped dreaming. I have come to a place in my life where all of my dreams are empty balloons on the floor. I want to encourage you to dream with me. Let's, let's dream about the things that God has put deep within us. Holy Spirit, would you ignite the dreams, the ones that were lost, the ones that were taken, the ones that were deflated. Come, Lord. We choose to follow you. Because we trust you. Lord, let us serve others out of 
the goodness of your servant.